Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. What's I'm Alex. up? <laughs> I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a bunch of comic books that have come out this week. Let's kick it off with Static Shadows of Dakota, number one from DC Comics, written by Nicholas Draper Ivy and Vita Ayala. Art for Nicholas Draper by Nicholas Draper Ivy. Now, I don't want to speak for everybody here, but it was pretty clear. I read this entire comic not once they refer to South Dakota or North Dakota. This book is garbage. Take it away. Oh my god! <laughs> wow, you're. Which one were you hoping for? Do you have a a prime Dakota? In your I life? don't choose a Dakota, but South. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Okay. They got um, a, they got ten uh, percent more wheat. Yeah, that's true. Thanks for checking that stat. Also, <laughs> much balmier. That's like the Florida <laughs> of the Dakotas. Really. <laughs> wow. No, this uh, book this, is great. It is a reboot. Is it's so good. It is a reboot of Static Shock. The character, of course, is called Static, but it really brings him back to basics here, faces him up against a new enemy. The art by Nicholas so Draper good. Ivy is phenomenal. Pete, I know you're a big fan of the character. I, I'm guessing you're a big fan of the character. What did you think about this one? Well, I I was uh, I I really like this kind of take on it. I was surprised at how dark it got at the end. Kind of got a little uh, you know static. I don't assume. Uh, I don't kind of like be like oh static. That's kind of a dark character. It seems like a bright kind of happier thing. But uh, with this comic, it got a little dark at the end. And I was like, take it easy, DC. We don't need to make everything dark. Keep my boy static in in the light. Um, but all that being said, uh, I, I I thought this was awesome i'm really happy with the team that they put on this uh i really think i like this uh, static and his voice here the art is cool and has like a really clean look like it's almost like an airbrush feel to it which was really neat um yeah you can tell that they kind of like took their time and curated a great team for this and i'm excited to get more threw us into the action right from the beginning in a great way uh, Static is a hero that is just in charge, um, and I pun, in, pun intended, um, of his powers, knows what's up. And that's why I feel like you. we get the darkness at the end. We get a villain that is, like, st- murders. We're sort of complicit in the murder, the way the story is told. Oh, We're boy. witnessing don't, it first I didn't, person. I, I didn't do anything. Come on, don't put me no, in you're, there. No, Pete was there. Oh, whoa, Pete was whoa. there, and he's in trouble for it. Um, and and I think that's that part is earned because Static is such a bright hero who is capable of like uh, doing anything. And this book, it feels like this is like uh, I say a lot that Blue Beetle is DC Spider Man, but I think Static very well could be that same role of a a, a great bright real hero for uh, for our times. Nice. Red Goblin number one for Marvel, written by Alex Pactadal, art by Jad hey, and Alex. Uh, do I? Yes. There you go. Um, I got to throw this out there right up at the top. Some of my least favorite things in comics right now, too many symbiotes, 
too many goblins. Oh, Don't yeah. love the fact when there's a kid who is like aged up with their costume, as we've mm-hmm. talked about many times mm-hmm. on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It is a tribute to this team that they take all of those elements. This book being about Norman Osborne's grandson who has a symbiote that makes him look like a goblin character, in this case, a red goblin. Right, right. And they make it work. They make uh, it work. Whoa, whoa. First off, let me get it. Look, and I want to take it one step further before you get into it. Reading this book, and I know this is not the point of comic books, my big takeaway was like, I actually would be super into a TV show that follows the Osborne family, like a what? succession type thing, um, but with they superpowers. Have the Osborns. It's already a TV show. <laughs> but, <laughs> what a take. Yes. What a take. Ozzy's like, the real Green Goblin. Yeah, you think imagine, imagine succession, but with symbiotes and goblin gliders and madness and superpowers. That would be kind of awesome. And that's kind of what you're getting, at least a little bit, here at Red Goblin number one. Now imagine a rock god, and then you have to, like, see his everyday life. All right. And now, um, so my kind of thing with this is, like, hey, all right, cool. We're, you know, we're spending time with the Osbournes. Don't give them the nickname Normie and then use it throughout the book. Because that's a different kind of nickname and used very much a lot in our society. So it's a little weird every time you hear, hey, Normie, it kind of pulls me out of the book a little bit. So it's a little uh, bit of a uh, weird <laughs> choice. To are, name you called, are you called Normie a lot? Yeah. Yeah, all the time. So uh, I just think wow. it's one of those things where um, that was just a kind of a, a stupid, weird thing. Um, but big kind of last page reveal. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but like when people, when we get into like the goblins and the history of all the different goblins, I just kind of zone out and I just don't care. Well, let me, let me echo that a little bit because and this is a spoiler for the reveal at the end, but like when they were like, you'll never believe it's me. It's me. It's Phil Yurick. I was like, oh, okay. And like, I know the history of it, but it was just such a fun. It's like being like Dan Smith. It's like, oh, that's a name. So like, it's this I, thing where it's like, this is the red goblin. Oh, the real, the, the goblin king. No shit. Well, and I actually like the Goblin Kid story. I like the way that, that that was detailed as Phil Yurick became that character and the Goblin King thing of it being like this rogue gang, like a sort of a sewer, like a rat king, Pete, if I'm talking uh, TMNT style. Right. Uh, let me give you a throw you a, a, a rat bone. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I think it's a good reveal. And I think this issue is really good. And of all the symbiote based things happening in a Marvel universe from all the Venoms, the Carnage, the Deadpool stuff, this actually I think is one of my favorites. I like huh. this character. It feels right next door to um, the Donny Cates Venom run. That uh, was happening. There was so much focus. I on. agree. It is next door. It's because it's it's happening next after that whole thing that just. Yeah, well, but I mean, literally like, next door. He, yeah. he, I understand what you're saying, Pete. I I think what you're getting at here, Justin, what really worked for me about this book is the broken family dynamics here because you have. Yeah. Norman Osborn, one of the worst characters in the Marvel universe, who is trying to be better over in Gold Goblin, and here. 
is this patriarch that's like, well, I'm going to lay out the hard truths on you, but I'm also trying to be better, but I'm still sort of terrible. His mom is broken because her husband is dead and she's now a single mother. Harry. Yeah, Harry. They're this rich family that is broken apart in different ways. The brother is clearly very, very damaged in a very different way than Normie is. Um, Don't. That's his name. I, sorry, that's his name. Nor- his name is Norman. Don't. And I, I don't like the symbiote stuff, but this is a, a very interesting it's characterization well of the symbiote that Alex Pactadal is doing. So a rascal. Yeah, I'm into this. I'm into this book. I was not expecting to be at all, but it completely won me over by the end. Agree. I enjoyed it. There's been a lot of interesting stuff happening in the Spider-Man corner of the Marvel Universe. Let me ask you this. What's the next Hard color color of Goblin you'd like to see? We got green, gold, Great Great question. I'd love to see a pink goblin, and then I'd like to ah, see them all team up. Nice. It's like you know, some sort of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers type. I would love to see a gray goblin that is a bouncer in Vegas. <laughs> wow. <Okay. Nice. laughs> Monarch number one from Image Comics, written by Rodney Barnes, art by Alex Lins. This is a fascinating book. Fascinating. Fascinating. It really is. I It digs very deeply into the idea of a kid who is bound by his religious faith, who is suddenly dealing with an alien, presumably an alien invasion, and how that rounds out. It's told in this very prosaic style that is unexpected. What did you guys think about this book? Well, uh, go ahead. Okay, I I also really liked it. It The perspective, I feel like they really nailed like a kid's perspective on all fronts here, on the bullying side of it, on the right. alien invasion side, mm-hmm. on the religion mm-hmm. side. Like uh-huh. it felt like we were at that level the entire time, which I think is rare. A lot of books with kids at the center end up uh, trying to start that way, and it feels like it pulls back to like a more writerly or adult point of view. And I feel like this really maintained it in a great way. I thought the art was interesting, and I the way the story unfolded, it got like sort of like violent and then a surprise sort of twist at the end. I, I thought this was a really great, a really strong first issue. I agree. It was a strong first ish for sure. Uh, the art was fantastic. Really pulls you into this world. It reminded me a little bit of like a deadly class kind of art, you know, if you're with oh, me. Yes. There, JT says. All right. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think, you know, that the, the, it was a very interesting start. They did such a great, great job of like grabbing the reader and never letting go. Uh, it kind of got like a big ending. I don't want to spoil. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was impressed with it as a first ish. Harrower number one from Boom Studios, written by Justin Jordan, art by Bram Revel. I'll say up front. I am a complete sucker for stories like this. This is one of my low bar story tropes. And the uh, idea which here, part? Yeah, which part? The part being that it takes place issue? in a small town that on – first issues, yes. Uh, takes place in a small town where on a Halloween, clearly a bunch of the teenagers are being killed off for some sort of like – You love man. that. You fucking some love that. You're like, yeah, kill the teens. This guy, this guy hates teens. I hate teens. teens. Here's oh the thing. Get off my lawn, teens. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I What's spent crazy? all summer seeding the lawn, and here you are on Halloween <laughs> running around with your TP, TP in my house. Uh, I'm like, so get off my lawn, teens. I'm going to harrow you. you. I'm going to harrow you, teens. You identify as like a teenage girl. 
but like every other team that you see, you want to murder brutally. It's a what weird is thing weird to you about the fact that I identify as a teenage girl, but I also want to kill teenage girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a really <laughs> weird thing about you. Let me say it's a problem, but I should also confess I've been the one who's TPing your house and stepping on your lawn. Yeah. Slam! It's not a team. All right, adults, old adults, get on man. It's a grown teenage man girls right are safe. I'm gonna kill a bunch of adults now. I agree with you, though, Alex. This book does a great job of being like, this town, bad stuff happens in this town, especially to teens. And here we're going to follow these teens. And look, all they talk about is how the bad stuff's going to happen. Do you think bad stuff's going to happen? <laughs> the, bad, the bad stuff yeah. happens. Yeah. It builds great tension throughout. Uh, I think Justin Jordan is has done a lot in this world. So, like, it is, like, spot on. And we get some nice little turns on it, though, at the end. So it's like, yeah. it sets the tension. We, like, live in the tension for so long. We're like, hey, let's go have a fucked up Halloween. And everyone's like... <laughs> Could be more fucked up than you even think, man. And it's like it is, it is. It's it's a straight up horror movie in comic book form, and to the point that like there's some darkly comic stuff that happens in yeah. terms of the art by the end. Like spoiler here, but there is a head that pops off, and the way that the head pops oh, come off, come on, don't is spoil so it. Gross, but so funny at the same time in that perfect horror movie way where it channels that feeling of being in a movie theater and everybody screaming and then laughing at the fact that they're all screaming. Yeah. And wow. that's a great call. I also want to say like, I feel like this does a good job of being like, look, all these teen victims. And it's like, by the end you're like, Oh, Nope, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> There's, there are other things at play here. Okay. That is, well, that was first a cool off, twist. this is exactly why uh, creepy small towns or, or small towns freak me out uh, for this, for, for this purpose here. But this is just like, and real quick, where do you live now? Uh, I, uh, Baltimore. <laughs> Is it actually Baltimore or is it outside Baltimore? Yeah, thank you. (laughs) How small uh, is it, Pete? Is it too small? How many stoplights are in town? (laughs) Uh, But anyways, it creeps me the fuck out. There's just Main Street and one mayor and he's a crab. Uh, Oh, my God. Anyways, yeah, the art is creepy as fuck. This really does a great job of heightening the tension that it builds and then just really delivering. They do such a great job in this book. It is a fantastic first issue that is creepy as fuck. I will say, Pete, you give off the um, energy of like the high school like history teacher who dies at the end of the first act. Oh, <laughs> and so really? like, that's a good spot. I think that's a good oh, yeah, spot. You teacher. give off the energy of a I'd fucking... Say... I'd say gym teacher at best. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Teacher. That's a total burn. Yeah. yeah. No, He's a gym the... teacher who's asleep in the corner, his hat pulled down. Yep. And they're like, yep. a bunch of teen girls with uh, crop t-shirts are like, I'm not climbing the ropes. You go into the party later. Yeah. Watch out for the harrower. And you're like snoring. And then you're still asleep when you leave the gym class. And then the harrower comes in and guts you. You just like, guts no, you. You know, the gym teacher creates, doesn't get killed. No, he oh, creates, uh, if they're talking no. about the ropes earlier, he creates a rope out of your intestines. He hangs it from the ceiling. That's good. Oh and the, 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 the girls have to climb it or something. Oh, that's yeah. awful, man. Yeah, that's climb cool. your intestines. Don't, we'll workshop it. Don't worry about it. No, Last I've already year, written it. I've already written this. Oh, you've already scene. wrote it? Okay. Yeah. Let, Except the gym right. teacher's name is Pete LePage. Yeah. <laughs> And all the social handles are real Pete LePage for some reason, so he doesn't get yeah. impersonated. Lazarus Planet, Next Evolution, number one from DC Comics, written by Rab V, Brad T. Snyder, Chuck Brown, Delilah S. Dawson, art by Lalit Kumar Sharma, Laura Braga, Aletha Martinez, Brandt and Stein. And I want to throw out something right here at the top about this book. 
So, Justin, you've been talking a lot about how this crossover kicked off with like, oh no, a Lazarus volcano erupted. And every subsequent issue has been like, bad rain here. There's a bunch of green rain. You're correct. And you've been using that derogatorily, but I meant to bring up and ran out of time every time we would talk about this. This is kind of a classic DC thing. It's the same thing as the Red Skies, where they have these crossovers and we're like, it's a crossover, Red Skies. Well, anyway, back to whatever we Teen Titans were doing. And that's kind of what happens here as well. They're just using it as an excuse to kick up a couple of storylines. And I understand why that's annoying, but go ahead. No, I I hear you on it, but usually there's a main title of the crossover where something (laughs) is happening. And this crossover, there's not the main title. It's just all the side issues where everyone's like, it's rain's weird. Anyway, I'm flatline and I did this stuff. And I just think it's very weird. It's fucking up my mind to be like, am I, every time I read these, I'm like, am I missing story? I feel like and, I'm missing the and story. You're right, because there's an alpha issue where they're like, oh, this, this uh, volcano went off. Batman's in big trouble here. Uh, Damien's in charge, or Tim Drake, maybe. Probably Damien. And then they're going to have an Omega issue where we're like, well, wrapping things up now. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's very weird. I'm like, because in the alpha issue, they set up a Damien's like, I'm going to fix this. I'm in charge. I yep. feel a little older. We talked mm-hmm. about how Damien's changing a little yeah. bit. And then truly, all this is like, all like we're so far away from the story in this, and I think that's strange. And it's not to be like these issues are bad. It's just activating me in a way where I f- I have my FOMO, my Lazarus Rain FOMO is. Activating. I'm loving it because I know it's driving you insane, and it's not bothering me at all. And it's kind of enjoyable the fact that they're like it's kind of like the opposite. There's like this is you know the Lazarus planet, and they're never addressing it. Hey, Pete, they're just do you think not this, addressing it. It's hilarious. You think this podcast can handle two insane people? Because I don't think so. <laughs> so. I think you need to keep me sane if you want to maintain your position as I do the want to insane get back to that. What's bro. good about this book? Because yes, I understand what you're saying. You are correct, Justin. Absolutely. But also, every of the one of these issues has been good. It's been great. It's good. Yeah, of course. These, great. Good stories. This is Batman family related stuff. I think it's fair to say. And there's some really interesting I mean, moves. Got I don't know. Red Canary. I'm trying. I'm trying. You got here. Dead Eye. This is great. I love all these different stories that we're getting. You know, yeah, Alex. This is already a, like barely classified as a Lazarus planet, and you're like. Yeah, it's the Bat family. <laughs> I'm having a great time with these collected stories. I think they're fun. Yeah, they're good. It, it is making me look forward to the next iteration of DC and what's coming up in the comics. So, yes, it's weird how we're getting there, but I am enjoying the stories regardless. The Dead what? Eye story and the art was so intense and glorious. It was really mm. over-the-top fun. Sorry, I'm honestly forgetting. Is this the one... With uh, Rachel Ghoul. Yeah, he pops up at the end of the flatline story. But let, okay. let's just walk through them. The vigil story felt like some yeah, great 90s like superhero action remind me yep. of like um right, new right. warriors over at marvel uh oh, yeah. yeah like the vigil feels a little bit like night thrasher in uh in vibe the flatline story was my favorite of the the bunch that ends with Rachel ghoul popping up which i was like this is a big move i don't know what's happening i don't know why it's here uh then we get this guy dead eye who is not dead shot not Please. dead shot dead eye bro no. he's similar it's kind For of sure. like a cyclops of dc son. he's got like a laser shoots out of his eye it's like a crazy yeah, sure. thing then now but he has like a, a monster face why is his teeth yeah what's up with his teeth 
Uh, the Lazarus very, rain. The Lazarus rain gave him teeth. Yeah, he's very toothsome, very tooth forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that was more of a, a dentistry rain, uh, really. And then Red Canary, that this issue, I was like, this is just like a tonally, it's like sort of comedic in a way. And I was like, what, mm-hmm. why is this? <laughs> this is tacked on at the end, and it was fun. But I was like, this is a strange spin. This reminded me of what's going on in the Spider-Man books. It kind of the, reminds the, uh, me of us. You know, you got uh, Zalbin and, you know, they got you and you got the weird one. You know what I mean? So I think it's great. <laughs> uh, interesting take on the three of us. Uh, yep. <laughs> there we go. You nailed us, Pete. Let's move over to Bishop War College, number one, from Marvel, War written by Jay College. Art by Sean Damian Hill. Now, I attended Bishop War College. I know, I and no, you I, didn't. You did <laughs> not. We've all been thinking about, about that joke. I says, know. I just wanted to get it out of the way. Well, yeah. I got I got waitlisted at War College, Alex. So I guess you could just flex on us about getting well, in. Well, what's weird is the people who decision. are in War College seems like they didn't sign up for War College. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're all like, why are you being so intense? And it's like, because it's fucking War College. That's why. This so isn't I got to tell you, reading the, the, just seeing the cover of this, I was like, oh, this is one of those books that Marvel is doing from an older team that takes place back in the day, and it's like classic Bishop. That's not what it mm. is. It is on no. Krakoa. It's right now. It's Bishop being like, it is right now. we got to train the next generation of uh, mutants to fight against evil. We can't just sit here on this That's island. Right. Finally, someone's like, yo, guys, we can't just sit around on fuck island. Like, we got to get ready. This. You and know what I mean? They bring in this issue two of my favorite creepy villains in the Marvel Universe, underutilized, the Strucker twins. Yeah. Very upsetting characters, but really well used here. And without spoiling it, there's a twist at the end that brings it back to sort of classic Bishop storyline, I think, like what, how we were first introduced to Bishop, but in a surprising and new way that made me very interested in this title. Let me ask you guys something. When you meet actual twins, is your first thought, which one is the evil one? Is that just me or is that you guys have that going on too? I think both evil. Mm-hmm. Oh, Why are you wow. trying to pick? Why are you trying to say one's good and one's? What I are you kill one because it's fifty-fifty. As I mentioned, I kill teen girls, so I usually <laughs> wait until then. But this is going to be played at my trial, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. What a chill slasher movie villain you would be, Alex. Hey, uh, which uh, which of you twins are going to die? Oh my god, fifty-fifty. Yeah. He podcasts for like six hours, and he kills <laughs> he kills a teen afterwards. I don't know. Weird mo. Very chatty. Uh, yeah, he I, I agree first. with you. <laughs> yeah, he posted. He where he talks about what he's up to. Uh, I I agree, Alex. I liked the uh, the bishop that I loved the most as a character mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. in the Cable series where Bishop was chasing Cable, trying to eliminate Hope Summers. Um, oh man. I thought that was great. It made a ton of sense. It made Bishop sort of a villain, but doing it for the right reasons in his mind. It was really unique. They were traveling forward in time, so we got into all these like weird new worlds. So Bishop, ever since, has sort of like fallen back into this place where he just doesn't have a lot of like uh, dif- differentiating characteristics. And I think this is on the right track to put it put him back on maybe the original take, where he's from this horrifying future that he's come here to try to fix. It's just. He doesn't do a lot of stuff to help the not his stop his future from happening. He's sort of like, who are we fighting today? I don't know. I'll shoot him with my gun. Uh, so this feels like he is getting his philosophy back in place, which I can get behind. 
I do think it was hilarious that like he's super intense. And then these kids were like totally like, yo, this dude's way too intense. And then they were like, all right, well, I guess we need to be a little intense about the future. And then like all of a sudden, you know, the big reveal is he's kind of like travels, you know, in time for the kind of last page, which I thought was fun. I thought it was a fun last page, but it was kind of hilarious that this guy is in charge of teaching these kids and he's way too intense. Well, no wonder the kids are pissed. They signed up for college on Fuck Island, and they're spending the whole time fighting. <laughs> you think college on Fuck Island is a party school. And <laughs> this, this is what not. you think. Yeah, there's a very thin line between fighting and fucking, though. I just oh, my God. That's right. Yeah, Alex, I've seen Alex do a, lot of bar, a lot of bar fights, and he tries to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Are you kissing me? Yes, it's part of the fight. Yeah, kiss and kill are only one letter apart. Know your station number three from Boobs. (laughs) To be fair, Pete, it's one letter twice. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's what he's saying. That's how he talks. It's still two letters. Yeah, you can follow it. It's one one letter twice. I'm an apologist. I'm an apologist for this serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of serial killers, know your station number three from Boobs. Know your station. I love this book. This is a murder mystery set on a space station with some disgustingly gross over-the-top images from the Atacagas that are gruesome in a way that I've never seen. But uh, Sarah Gelly is starting to unravel the mystery here, finally has a teammate for our cop who is not a cop, as she specifies in this issue. I just love the characterization. I love the way they're unraveling this mystery. It feels very original and fresh to me. But how are you guys feeling about it? I agree. I think the tone is like the characters like, fuck, I don't know what the fuck is happening in this murder <laughs> mystery. And I'm like, I, and I'm like riding with them. I'm like, yes, I agree. I, I don't know what's happening. We're slowly getting clues. And they're like, yes, what if it's that? And they're like, no, it's not that. Look, a oh, fucked up corpse. Holy shit. Yo, that like, shit <laughs> fucked me up, dude. That was really creepy. Are you well, talking about no... the upside down? Yes. Yeah, I don't even know yeah. what to call it. Yes. Like, there's half yes. of it. Stop. Ha- no, I want to describe it for people no, you because should. You should. it's half of want... somebody's body is upside down so they've basically been like bisected and then twisted flipped. Very upsetting. yeah flipped. well and there's no reason the murders had to be this gruesome because the story <laughs> seems to be about like we are trying to kill the rich and they're like we're gonna kill the rich we're gonna take their spines out pop them up a little <laughs> stop, bit we're stop, gonna stop we're gonna do some mixing and matching oh uh, my god it's like choosing a racer in Mario Kart, where they're just like, yeah, let's have it be a bisected corpse smooshed together and flip it. Okay, it let's was, go. It was, a, uh, it was a great last panel, though. Yeah, and it's actually like, it's just, I think to your point, Alex, it is a, a story where the characters are coming at it from an unexpected place. They are behind the eight ball constantly, which does feel fresh, and uh, the the twists and turns are like keep getting scarier and the st- stakes it's keep going intense. up despite their clu- cluelessness in, in, in a good way. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I'll say about this is it gets into a little bit of prediction, but there is a AI that is helping him out the entire time. And it seems pretty clear from anybody who has seen science fiction that this is a Hal situation where the AI has yeah. probably done this. Whoa, and whoa. the fact that they're like, uh, can you help us out here? The entire time, like, oh my God, suspect the AI. But 
I even feel like the writing and the art are leading into that in a very good way. So very fun read. Definitely pick this up if you have that's a chance. That's all, it out. Uh, you know, that you're, you're speculating there. You don't know I'm that. You, you're right. Yeah, that's, you don't know I that. You're we'll reading into stuff. Yeah, I'll stop reading into stuff that I'm reading. The Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man number 19 from Marvel, written by Joe Kelly, art by Terry Dodson. This is a break in the creative team after the Dark Web storyline, and it's taking Black Cat, and Spider-Man is sending them on a double date with Mary Jane and her new beau. Justin, I know this was one of your favorite issues of the week, so take it away. Love it. First off, anytime you get a Terry Dodson, what a pleasant surprise on the art. Love to see it, especially Black Cat, Dodson, Black Cat. Just I'm there for yeah, it. And just to throw out also Rachel Dodson on the eggs, which I didn't mention yeah, earlier. The Dodsons, but, we should say. Yeah. Um, the Dodsons who work together a lot naturally. And this is a fun story. Uh, Joe Kelly, you don't see Joe Kelly writing a ton of uh, Marvel comics these days. So great to see that. And Black Cat and Peter dating. I am here for it. Like, everyone's caught up with, like, what's happening with Mary Jane? I'm like, let it rest. We got a great crossover, a uh, couple issues with Black Cat and Mary Jane. Love those. Jed McKay uh, as part of the Dark Web storyline. Fantastic. And here we're seeing them try to work out their relationship. It feels, Alex used the word fresh in the last comic. This feels fresh. feels like we're young and dating superheroes. They're solving crimes. They're fighting people. I'm in love with this relationship in this comic. Pete, wake up. Yeah, I just want to mention, if you're not watching the video version of the show, Pete has been lying back with his eyes closed. And I gotta... say it's probably because there's a scene where Peter stands up and his robe drops off and Mary Jane and Black Cat both look at his penis. You're probably closing his eyes to like try to vividly picture Peter Parker's penis, right, Pete? No, Take we've away. seen. We've your, seen in your the name rain is Peter, So you're probably leading into that. You love a good Peter. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, dude. I hope Peter's you Peter. Yeah, I mean, this is just, uh, you know, I don't know who wanted this, you know what Justin, I mean? But Justin, I guess me. Justin, and uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're having fun, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it seems like uh, Mary Jane is in a really decent relationship, and... Uh, you what, know, are you happy for her? I'm starting uh, to think you're a little obsessed with Mary Jane, you know? Like, it's a little, like, it's becoming a little much. Yeah, it's the sort know? of thing, oh, wow. like, you log off of work and you're like, uh, it's Mary Jane time, I'm going to have a little Mary Jane now. Is that yeah, what you it's do, almost, It's almost like that's my life, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just think it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's hard because it, uh, Spider-Man is such a iconic character, and to a lot of people, you know, uh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane are a thing and a staple and an important part of the character. And I guess to others, it doesn't fucking matter. And he can date whoever <laughs> the fuck he wants. And I guess that's I just feel like people. I would throw out there that for Peter Parker, at least, or any Peter, really, Mary Jane might be an addiction. They want to quit. Well, I think obviously you have to do what's right, but it yeah, just seems well, like I guess we're what you're lying saying to it. ourselves about what is actually right here. And that's uh, Peter and MJ belong together forever. Like, you just don't want to decriminalize Mary Jane. You want to legalize, fully legalize it as much as possible. <laughs> That's right. Just the relationship right. we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. No matter if you're in a state that's a little close to the southern state, so it's a little maybe more of a thing. You know what I'm talking about? Legalize it. <laughs> well, Peter loves Mary Jane. There we go. Two Graves, number four. From Image Comics, written by Jean Viev Valentine, art by Addie Wu. In this issue, we're getting. I don't even know if it's a lot of big reveals necessarily, but we're getting a lot of information about 
what's going on with our woman who is riding along with a specter of death. Uh, there's some plastic baghead. Plastic baghead. Yeah. Continue to love the art in this book. I love yes. the storytelling of this book. This yes. is a very exciting issue, particularly if you've been reading along. Pete, you seem stoked about this one. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, first off, the the art is just amazing type bananas. It's just really impressive what they're doing. We joke about this plastic bag head, but it's done in such a cool, interesting way. We're getting a lot more of the story in this ish, which is great. Um, but there are lots of twists and turns, which I really appreciate. Uh, and I love the fight in the main character. Um, you know, I, I love yeah. her gumption and the fact that she's not just kind of like going along and being like, oh, uh, this is all new. And she's making huge choices. She's pushing against stuff. And I love it. It's very cool. Two toot bananas, I say, when it comes to the R and writing here. Uh, this. This story it is slowly revealing, slowly showing itself, much like the um, plastic bag uh, face that Pete is talking about with our death specter. Uh, there's sort of a – the relationship between them has such a nice edge to it. We don't yeah. know what the deal is quite yet. Maybe next issue. I also want to shout out the um, the back matter, which is a story called Prom Wars by N.K. Jemison. Yeah. That was very right. cool. Yeah. yeah, That was awesome. That definitely an issue, definitely a Prom series Wars worth diving life, into. Man. Yeah. yeah. Alien number six from Marvel, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Julius Ota. This is wrapping up the arc of a bunch of androids who have been fighting some aliens. It also includes a big reveal of who this alien looking lady is that we have known about since, I think, pretty much since the beginning of Philip Kennedy Johnson's, Philip Kennedy Johnson, excuse me. Thank you. Run. Put some respect on it. Yes, exactly. Pete, you were clapping for this one. Take it away. What did you like about this? Yeah, first off, uh, let's back up the fucking truck here and talk about that cover. I mean, that is a crazy cool cover. I mean, for real. I mean, that cover is bananas. It is just really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I really love not only this the ending we get in this issue, but also like this wraps up in such an amazing way we get kind of some deep thoughts here talking about existence humans like what what's our deal like impressive to get out of an alien book uh philip kennedy johnson thank you this is an amazing uh six issues that i feel like we can revisit time and time again and also i feel like somebody should be making into a movie as we speak because it's a hell of an arc and a very cool ending and uh definitely worth checking out you can tell philip kennedy johnson really loves this his work he's done on the alien stuff over at marvel he's got another great little back matter piece here about uh, you're not alone uh, which was really cool. And we talked yeah. a lot about how these alien stories like really use the the, the traditional alien storyline basis uh, and reinvent it in a way. And I think this did both like by keeping the sort of references, the kid who's lost trying to survive. We get the synths being a major uh, player here and we get to see it remixed and left in a really interesting place. Pete, I'm surprised you like this so much because it is scary. Why is this less scary to you than other things that you're like too scary? Well, there's there's the difference between monster scary and then like a body part being split in half and dissected and you're seeing mm -hmm. different parts. You know what I mean? Where like I can kind of deal with a little bit of the monster scary versus 
the kind of like twisted, fucked up, scary where it's You're like, saying you'd be on the signs of the xenomorphs. You'd be on the side. Don't put me on sides, bro. Don't, don't I'll, try I'll to just do. throw it out there in all seriousness, because I think it's very interesting what people are scared about. I'm the opposite where mm. I get scary. I get scared. <laughs> I get scared. Yeah, I get scared. I get scared at the things that aren't real, like the aliens, like mm. Freddy and Nightmare. Wait, you don't think aliens are real? I don't Uh-oh. get scared at serial killer <laughs> stuff and people actually killing people for whatever reason. So because you're a serial killer, yeah, there you go. Because yeah. I kill can't, teen can't girls, yes. and I'm I'm fearless. So I guess yeah. we're what a combo we are. Yeah, there we wow. go. Um, I will mention. I'm just going to throw it out there as an opposite thing. Like Philip Kennedy Johnson, I think, like you're saying, he knows what he's doing in terms of the alien stuff. I loved a lot of this run. This arc didn't really work for me. Holy I, shit. Sorry. I, I really love the idea. I love the place where it started, but I feel like by the end, it got a little overcomplicated. I think tying it back to the alien lady didn't quite connect for me emotionally in the way that I wanted it to um, and textually, but... You know, it's been a really good run, and he's done a fantastic job on the Alien books and put some really fascinating ideas out there. So I'm not discounting it by any means. That's like saying you really liked uh, Superman War World stuff, but you didn't like the fighting in War World. That's what you just said out loud. Not what I said. (laughs) (laughs) That's not even close to a one to one to what I'm saying. Man, you're a douche. Uh, okay, I, I'm nice. just offering up an alternate opinion. Um, yeah. If anybody else feels that way out there, that is That's one fair. out of three. That's, That's all. Gotham City, year one, number five, from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Phil Hester. In this issue, we're getting some big reveals about what has been going on. In the background, we finally find out a lot about the mystery as we head into the finale. Here, uh, what do you guys think about this one? Now, last issue, we talked about how we didn't know what was happening. We were a little Mm -hmm. lost in this story, I think. And I got to say, this issue really brought it together, and I really like this issue, and it made me like the overall story a lot more. Um, It feels like we've been just slowly boiling this uh, detective noir stuff, and we're getting into the part of the story where all the bad things are going to happen. The scene where um, Slam drives this guy who he's trying to get to spill the beans on the top of his car and oh, yeah. basically wrecks him was mm-hmm. great. I'm yeah. curious, now that now that it feels like we really understand where this is in the history of Gotham and what's happening, I'm curious how this is going to, what repercussions this will have on uh, on Batman, on commenting on the Waynes in general. I I agree with you, uh, Justin. I think that this art is super noir ban- bananas in all the best ways. I think that mm. the uh, uh, you know when, you, when you're when you're tip bana- of the hat to, to tip of the hat to you uh, when your bananas great. go noir, you can make um, banana bread with them still. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, just the the panels of the old car radio that just kind of like set mm. the tone that they kind of placed throughout this book was really well done. Slam living that noir lifestyle was very fun and interesting. I thought this was cool and it had like a dramatic kind of like Tom King feel to it. I enjoyed it very much. Mm. I'm going to throw something out to you guys, and I'm not – I haven't really thought through this yet, but I'm okay. curious to hear what – You think it was some slam poetry? All right, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Peanuts, peanut butter. They go with jam on a sandwich – 
Sandwiches are good to eat, but I am not eating it up. Are you? Wow. You are the you are I the slam Bradley. Thank you so much. No, so uh, this this is not the most original criticism of Tom King, but it's definitely something that I've been thinking about while I've been reading this book, where I agree with you guys, Phil Hester's art is unimpeachable here. Thank you. I do think the story is unraveling in a good way, in a very purposeful way. Tom King is always a very purposeful writer, but this idea that he keeps taking these characters in the DC universe that you look at as very pure and fun and muddying them up is the lightest way of putting it from Adam Strange to Mr. Miracle to the Justice League International to now the Wayne family. It's, it's starting to feel like a little bit of a writing tick to me, and I don't mm. think it's necessarily a negative writing tick because he's still working at a very high level in terms of his craft and his writing. But I was curious to hear what you guys think about that, if that is something you think about at all. Uh, I do think about that. I think that about that especially with the sort of single character books that he's been doing. This one feels a little different for me because it's characters that we didn't really know much about. It's not like uh, he's upsetting a, a, uh, like a Are you hero. saying Slam wasn't a huge part of the DC universe for you? No, Slam's around, but like, right. this is but not. It, well, it's not Thomas and Martha. It's yeah. the grandparents. It's so. the grandparents. So, and it really is like year one. It's going back to a very beginning and telling sort of a really fucked up story. But the tick that I think is a little bit more on display here and concerning is holding information for too long in the story. This is the fifth issue, the issue before the last issue, before we really know what enough about what the deal is to really be here with the story. So that's, I don't mind the muddying up. Like you're saying, I think it's a little bit more the uh, the way that he's telling the story. I agree with you, Justin. I think the tick was a great uh, comic and TV show. And, uh, you know, either, uh, you know, also the the newer one was also really well done and well acted. Just to not to totally ignore that, but Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow was something that was totally different. That was also uh, yeah, the same a sort of tick I'm talking about, which is taking Supergirl and complicating her in a way. But at the same time, to get to what you're talking about, Justin, it was Tom King presenting the conflict at the beginning and then following it through as an adventure story for the end. So I would like to see him do something going forward because I really do respect him and love him as a writer. And I think what he's doing is really fascinating. I would love to see him do a little bit more in line with Supergirl woman of tomorrow, where it's not what you're saying, where it's, even Batman Killing Time was, you don't know what this is until the last issue. It's a secret. Yeah. Tell us what it is up front. Like, that is that is a writing thing that will force him into a different mode if he tells us what the story is up front, and then he rolls it out there. Because, again, oh. he's so iconoclastic in terms of how he's rolling this stuff out. I think it is important for him to challenge himself just as an artist, that's okay. I just let me know when you guys are done giving Tom King notes. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. You're going to wow. tell Tom King how to fucking it write comic wild books because you are the most critical person of Tom King on this podcast. It, it definitely. True. We're basically fanboys. Uh, hilarious. Yeah. 
Well, anyway, don't quit your space job, is I guess what I would say, yeah. Tom King. Space job number speaking one of, from... Yeah, there we go. Speaking of. Space job number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by David A. Goodman, art by Alvaro Saraseca. This is basically, what if The Office was Star Trek? Take it away, guys. Oh, man, I wrote that same thing. That's crazy. It's <laughs> oh, like Office guys. meets Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, wow, yeah. Uh, but, man... A holy left turn alert. This comic, you think like, okay, this is what's going on. And then it takes a big, big kind of turn there. Um, But I I thought they did a good job of getting you excited uh, to read more. And I'm definitely on board. And um, I was surprised and shocked by the turn, but I thought it was cool. This felt like someone's idea for a TV show that became a comic book. Huh. This is a, uh, I, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. This is a big no for me. Um, the, huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, which, I'm which don't you like, The Office or Star Trek? Just real quick. Uh, both of them. I think they're terrible TV shows and poorly made, and anybody <laughs> who likes them is a bad person. No, I like both wow. of those shows. Um, the humor didn't work for me. I did like the turn that you're talking about, so let's talk about it. Spoiler warning. Oh, but boy. it follows this very middle manager type guy who used to be a chef who gets hired. You think he was really working his way up? Star you got Trek a lot of for him. You're following him, and then he dies about 10 pages into the issue. Yeah. That bit is fun. The rest of it... It's a fun bit, how he dies. Fun bit, how he dies. Yeah. The rest of it didn't work for me. I was with it for the first couple of pages, and then the rest of it is like, straight up, what if Michael Scott ran the Enterprise, and it didn't work. Well, I think... I understand that criticism, and I think mine is next door to that because I I just wanted more of a of a take of a story here that we can really get behind. There's a little bit of nods that this that one character Rick McIntyre is chain has been changed, and I think we're going to get some sort of uh, story there. But like we don't get enough of that, and it's really being sort of told to us is like this is this guy's funny. This guy's this is, he's mean. He's not a good boss. And it's like a little, I, I, it's not quite there enough uh, for me as well. Yeah, and maybe it will. I mean, listen, The Office was not The Office for several episodes. Well, Parts true. of Recreation's first season was terrible. Yeah. So, Pete, I'm glad you like it. Maybe it'll get better. Again, didn't quite work for me, but humor is subjective. subjective so there you go. Gospel number four from Image Comics by Will Morris. In this issue, our adventurers in different areas are mm. all uh, exploring more of this world. We're finding out a little bit more about all of them individually. Pete, you're clapping, so take it away. All right. I, I think we can all agree that this uh, comic was absolutely fantastic. I mean, the art in this, <laughs> it is just dreamy and magical with hints of watercolor. I mean, this is a masterclass in comic panel art here. I mean, it is glorious. Love the story. Love the crazy unfolding of what's happening. I'm really eating this up. I'm having a great time with this. Oh, he ate. <laughs> uh, the, the, I, I also enjoy the art. It's very like Prince Valiant, the old comic strip, or mm. uh, Fables-esque, you might okay, say. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Which I think, which I think matches the tone. We're introduced mm-hmm. to some characters. Um, there's a nice sort of central relationship here. Yeah. Um, I am curious where also what the spine of this story is, because it feels like a little bit of like a Canterbury Tales, a bit of a wander and a bit of like, it's all about I'm the main character kind of thing. 
But then it's also like not anyone's no one's really behaving like they are the main character. So I, I'm curious what what that idea is that we're going to get to. It's still early on, though. So fucking slow your roll there without all that criticism. I know. I, I, I I'm saying I like it. It's not it's not a lot of criticism. It's just a little bit of criticism. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. But to Pete's point, the art is absolutely so glorious that it Very keeps returning page by page. Miracle Man, The Silver Age, number four from Marvel, written by Neil Gaiman, art by Mark Buckingham. This is a big deal because the first issue to contain unreleased material from Miracle Man. And funnily enough, they flesh it out with a classic Miracle Man story from back in the day that is not by Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham. But... What did you think about this? I, I was obviously very curious to check this out because I had read the stuff online, but I had never read specifically this issue. In my opinion, I got very excited about how things started to get to come together in terms of the story threads. I thought, as usual, Mark Buckingham's art is absolutely gorgeous. So but yeah, what did you guys is- think? The buck is glorious. I love his art. I keep trying but- to get into this. I'm I'm just kind of a... It's weird. It's really weird in a lot of weird ways. And I can't, I keep trying to be like, okay, eventually we're going to get past like all the old shit that I feel like the old stuff and the new ideas are fighting each other. And eventually we're going to get like, we're going to get rolling. And I keep waiting for that to happen. But it just seems like it's a muddled kind of thing of old and new that I'm hoping we're going to be able to kind of work past and then be able to roll. Um, because I, I don't know, man, I keep trying to get into this book and I don't understand what the big deal is yet. Well, I, I think it's a lot about identity and, and like when you like, I think sort of growing up, uh, becoming the person you're going to become. Because I think we have a young miracle man struggling with like, am I a person? What's my name? Where where am I? Where am I? Uh, and on this journey of that sort of self-discovery, which I think is really cool. And there's an added layer. I feel like this was originally conceived back when uh, Neil Gaiman was very much into sort of fiction pushing on the border of reality, like stories about stories, that kind of stuff. Because it feels like that's there's an element of that here. So I'm curious, again, I mean, I feel like th- I've said this a lot tonight, like this, this is the nature of comics. Like, well, I'm curious what happens next. But it feels <laughs> like with a lot of these stories, we're in very much the part where there's a lot of stuff on the table and we're moving towards something, but we don't quite know what is over that horizon. And this is very much in that vein. Yeah. Uh, this is the first issue of this that actually got me excited about the book because they were starting to bring together the story threads from the first three issues here. So really curious to check out the next one. Uh, I understand what you're saying, Pete. I think have you, this is not to put you on the spot. Have you read the miracle man stuff before the silver age book? Yeah. Yeah. Wait a long time ago. Okay. All right. So, yeah, I don't know. I think just as a historical document, I think that's the thing that's getting me excited there. Um, Beyond the fact that this is two great creators, but I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, Like I've said before, uh, sorry, the last thing I was going to say, like I've said before, the big test is why did Marvel buy this? Because now we're wrapping up this run. Uh, that uh, this will be, I assume, another issue or two. But what is beyond this? Why did they spend the money to bring Miracle Man in when they have the Sentry and they have Ultra Man and they have all of these other Superman composites and Shazam composites and all of these other things? 
why was this important for them to have it other than the uh, completely laudable thought of historical documentation? Well, don't you think maybe we're going to get some more Neil Gaiman? I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I would think that would be the reason to do it because that's the real That would be amazing. Or Alan Moore, get him to do some stuff. What is he doing? Hanging out of his yeah. castle and casting yeah, spells? Yeah. Great part. He just wrote a, a novel. But one of the last thing I was going to say, I, oh, I feel really? like you see that in the library and keep thinking like, oh, I should pick good? that up. Did you check I, it out? I, I bought it. I was at a bookstore in Brooklyn and I there was a signed copy. So oh, I like, so I bought awesome. this, I bought the signed copy of it and I haven't actually read it yet, but uh, and I'm, uh, I'm going to. And I, I, I've but heard you did write, a, you put a little heart under his name and put Justin Tyler under it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, cro- I took his name off of it. I crossed it out. Oh, wow. Because that's what he would want. I took his name off of his book. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck signed his name? He hates his name in places. Uh, but no, what I was going to say is like, I feel like he, Neil Gaiman, obviously a great writer, and the fact that he's able to explore on this, like all of the stuff that happened in the earlier Miracle Man books, and to have the, a, a young perspective and really investigate that, I think is really cool. And I trust Neil Gaiman to really find the the nugget there that is truly innovative and something we haven't seen before. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And when you say the young perspective, you mean the young nasty man perspective, right? Yes, definitely. I love young nasty man. You know, I consider myself sort of a young nasty man. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that name's so funny. You're neither young nor nasty, my friend. (laughs) The Joker, excuse me. Man, though? Man? (laughs) Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. The Joker. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's. Mean? Yeah, okay. Let's. Uh, the Joker, the man who stopped laughing, as we're waiting for Alex to stop choking to death. Look at Pete taking the reins like a, a real hero. Um, Joker, the man who stopped laughing. This number guy five. likes to laugh, and then he finally. Okay, wait, I'm back. The Joker, oh, the man okay. who stopped laughing, number five, DC Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Bernie. Carmine D. Gian Domenico, art by Fre- and Francesco Francovia. This is following the story of two Jokers. We seem to maybe find out some answers about why there's two Jokers here and that there's a swerve that goes against the theory that I mentioned for the last issue. Um, Mm. Spoiler here. It's not Clayface. That second Joker is not Clayface. Something else is going on. Uh, But these two Jokers are cutting for each other. there is Clayface mentioned here. There is Clayface. Clayface pretends for a little while to be the Joker, but that is not the second Joker. Right. Um, this is fascinating. This book, yes. I, yeah. I, I yes. am utterly fascinated about what's going on here, what's going on in the backstories, which are goofy, but clearly with a purpose and feel like the sort of thing that are not going to make sense until we're done with whatever this run is. This is great. Also, what's really interesting is we were just about to get answers and then spoiler Red Hood shot them before we could get the answer we're waiting for. So it's like uh, the twists and turns in this keep on coming. Um, I, I'm having a great time with him. This this has been such a cool read, very intriguing and cool. Uh, also, the uh, Giganta backup in this issue is yeah. really great. Uh, yeah, I, this is I, I cannot wait to reread this when this is all collected because I really do want to go but once we know like go back and reread it but man this is fun agree spoiler we get to see spoiler in this which I love spoiler and then, spoiler 
uh, a spoiler, spoiler, and a sick Joker Speedo right at the end, closing out the oh, issue. Oh, man. Save it for the swimsuit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Stranger Things, Tales from Hawkins, number one, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Jody Hauser, art by Caio Felipe. This is following the story. I got to be honest, I don't remember whether this connects back to season one, but two hunters who end up in the Upside Down. It's a very dark horror story. I like this one. I like the idea if this does connect back to Stranger Things, and I did not check before we taped the podcast, but I like the idea of fleshing out these smaller moments throughout the series. What did you guys think? I mean, bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a (laughs) super bummer. Also, to see uh, all that beer go to waste is fucking heartbreaking. I mean, geez. Imagine you're in the upside down and you chance upon all that beer. Like, pretty sick. Dude, uh, the beer didn't make it to the Upside Down. They did. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, is it not? I thought yeah. the beer made it no, that Yeah, they said the beer down, and then they went in to investigate. See, that's uh, the thing is always bring a sixer if you're going to the Upside yeah, Down. Yeah, I mean, if you, you go a sixer, it. first off, why would you set it down ever? Uh, and then secondly, you know yeah, what I always need... bring? You know what I always bring to the Upside Down is an 11er. Oh. Hmm. Uh, I got you. Thanks. Took you a second. Okay. Um, yeah, because I was like, they don't really serve in a lot. Are you saying you have one before you? Uh, no. Nope. Yeah, before no, you go in, Seven Eleven. I mean, I just don't, I don't know. No. Look, there's uh, a character in the. Uh, oh, Eleven, okay. the character. Oh, okay. I you like waffles. It. Yeah, I enjoy waffles and eggos. Yep. Uh, um, this was a very sad tale, but um, yeah. I agree with you. It's nice fleshing out these moments. Um, these Stranger King, Stranger Things series have been a little different, all of them, and with varying degrees of success. And this one was cool. Yeah, I agree. It, uh, art is great. It's a, a very unique, cool story that you you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, it's very interesting. It's just a heartbreaking loss of all that beer. All Against All, number three from Image Comics, written by Alex Pactendall. Again, art by Casper Wingard in this issue. And in this series, we are following the last of a bunch of species who are kept in a zoo by these octopus-style creatures that adopt other bodies. We find out a lot more about how they work and how this world works here that provides a lot of answers. This was the issue that I was waiting for, to be frank. Yeah. Uh, I think yes. I've loved the first yeah, two issues, because mainly because of Casper Winsgard's art, which is incredibly just detailed and kinetic. But here, Alex Pactadel really brings out the answers in terms of what's going on. And mm-hmm. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Pete, you're pumping your fist over here. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, this. This is just crazy, aggressive type bananas art. I mean, wow. The art does such a great job of sucking you into this world. Just intense ride. Buckle up, Buttercup. The action, the the writing, the pace of it. It's a tight package. Yeah. I hope you Buttercups are buckled up. Just anywhere you're going for this issue. Great color choices. It has a little bit of a sort of a more psychedelic or hotter palette uh, Mm -hmm. for the coloring Mm -hmm. throughout, which is really cool. And I also like the um, the reveals we get here. We find out how basically everything works. And I think the next issue is maybe the last issue of this series. Yeah. Oh, man, uh, that'd be sad. Here, Here's my question, though, and I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Oh, sorry, there are two about, more. There are two more. Yeah. Okay, I'm curious good. to hear what you guys think about this. Why is it that these buttercups build me up just to let me down? You know, the, no more fooling around. That's my big question about it. What do you guys think? 
Well, I mean, if you're getting let down, that's on you. You know what I mean? You got to be a stronger buttercup. You know what I mean? You got to be ready for that bumpy ride. Yeah, but I need you more than anybody, darling. <laughs> I've been eating a lot of butter, just cups of butter for lunch, oh, and it's really upsetting. I feel like it's really building me up for a well, bad trip to the doctor. Well, I had some peanut butter and chocolate doctors. to that cup, bro. You know what I mean? Oh, butter, peanut butter, and chocolate? You think that's yeah. the way forward? That's, that's the way to go. As long as there's a big old cup of butter. Daredevil number eight from Marvel, written by Chip Zdarsky, art no, by Mark Hudson. Shut out what? It's a great book. It's really I'm having a blast with it. I'm I'm yes. very much enjoying the creativity behind it. It's very different. Has a very different feel. It doesn't really meet any tropes. I'm impressed. Daredevil versus Punisher. Its entire team. Daredevil versus team Punisher. Epic battle that involves several dragons. It gets nuts. Yeah, Pete. I know we've been asking you the same thing about every issue of Daredevil and Punisher, but how are you okay? Whose side are you even on? Dude, this is, I was so nervous because the cover is bananas. And then I was like, oh my God, uh, Punisher is fighting Daredevil and it's a Daredevil comic. So maybe this isn't going to be good for the Punisher, but he survives to fight another day. Spoilers. So I'm very excited about this, but holy shit. Like, what an epic showdown. What an ish. Dragons, Daredevil, Punisher. Oh, my. What more do you need? The art is crazy. Tight bananas. What? Just a battle royale. A great kind of boss showdown. Uh, we get more. We get to. They're going to fight again at some point. I think this did a great job of this issue of giving us a taste of what's to come and getting us ready for more. I, I couldn't believe all the action, and they got right into it in this issue. So uh, I was nervously excited, and now I'm more just nervous and, and excited for what's to come. But, man, just glorious. What one a time to be alive. One character dies at the end of this story forever. Who is it, Pete? You choose. Daredevil, Punisher. I don't know. I mean, you can't. I feel you like must. either one of them you can't do. Like, yeah, I go with Electra then. No, I, Daredevil or Punisher, who dies? Daredevil. You have you make the call. Daredevil? Wow. wow. It's fucked up. Bad guy. You want the bad guy to win. Great art in this. I really like Chip Zdarsky's really built an epic. Uh, Killing the this, game right now. In this uh, one title, and it's very good. Here's the thing about chips. You can't just eat one. So we're going to move on to <laughs> Batman number 132 from DC Comics, written by, once again, Chip Zdarsky, art what? by and Miguel Mendoza. In this issue, Batman, after being quote unquote killed by Failsafe, has been sent to an alternate dimension where Bruce Wayne has died. He's dealing with this alternate universe versions of the characters he know. And in the backup story, the Robins are trying to find him. Alternately, they may have found something else in the meantime. Mm. How are you guys feeling? I also like this. I, Chips and Darcy's doing a good job of doing, finding the tropes here, hitting the tropes. That is like, we get Batman, Bruce Wayne being like, I should really become a Batman at the end of this. <laughs> really got me there. But I was still, I enjoyed it, even though it was like, yep, that makes a lot of sense. Like he's I mean, hanging out with You didn't Cameron. have to hit that. You didn't have to hit that part. You yeah. know what I mean? 
Uh, but the kind of like what's really freaking me, I'm having a great time with this, but also it's it's crazy freaky because it's like we're talking to a, a commissioner Gordon who's just kind of like a skeletor, got a skeleton type of situation. It's kind of freaking me the fuck out. But um, I'm that's having underneath a great time. Pete. That's underneath all of our skin. Mm-hmm. Oh man, mustache goes that. down to the bone. We've talked about that already. Mustache yeah, well. goes to the bone. The other, the other thing I like about this run currently <laughs> is that the backstory is trying to solve the front story. Yeah, that relationship between the two stories is really cool. Yeah, I agree with that. Koshki in Hell, number two from Dark yes. Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola, art by Ben Steinbeck. We talked about the first issue of this, but this is a legit continuation of the story that was started mm-hmm. in Hellboy and BPRD yes. where a lot of the other stories have been going back in time or going very far forward in time. This is continuing it and following Koshki, this character who can't die, Koshki the Undying, as he fights his way through hell. There's some very intense stuff happening here, but if you've been missing Hellboy, if you've been missing BPRD, this will scratch that itch. Yes, it will. This is just crazy monster battle fun. I'm having such a great time with this. This is just, uh, I'm just so happy to kind of have uh, this Hellboy action in my life. The art's unbelievable. The kind of like the whole thing with the sword and coming together and just like, ah, it was just such a cool moment. This is, I'm really impressed with they're like, oh, yeah, Hellboy, not a thing. But we're going to have all these other characters and still make you feel like you're getting your Hellboy. Well, also, not to interrupt you, Pete, but there's a couple of panels here. I, I think one or two where they flash to Hellboy and mm-hmm. they're like, Hellboy is not available. He's doing other things. And it yeah, gets yeah. you because you're like, no, we want Hellboy. <laughs> and that's exactly the feeling you're supposed to get there. It, it's great. It makes me wonder. I mean, first off, is Mike Mignola trying to get like that summer home? Like, what's up with him? He's making <laughs> hey, comics. You, don't hate. Don't I'm hate. The guy's making comics. That's what we want him to do. Correct me if I'm wrong, Pete. You have a better memory for this stuff. But BPRD ended a place where it was like, well, it's the end of the world. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. It's the end. <laughs> Just like we, we fucked up and yeah, they oops. won. And yeah, oops, we're all fucked. There's still, I don't know, just in terms of the, I understand like there's a sense of a heightened, more mature narrative. Yes, we don't always fix these problems, but in terms of superhero stories, in terms of comics, there's a story there. In terms of Hellboy coming back, the BPRT coming back, them all coming back together to fight the end of the world that just still feels. Palpable like and necessary yeah. out there, and I don't know if Mike Mignola ever wants to go there. But he he has to bring Hellboy back. He's he has gotta, to. Right? He's got to. You like to think so, but man, th- I'm having a blast with these. I am too. I don't mind the delaying. Like yep. I don't mind the teasing here. I don't mind the tantalizing of. Wouldn't that be great if we brought Hellboy <laughs> back? What do you think? And, and I, there's plenty of other Hellboy stories that he's doing to scratch that itch. But that story, BPRD, went so big. Yeah. I want him to revisit that at some point. But here's the thing. 
like I, I agree. I think these are fun. Some of them are better than others and more in my taste. Like I think this one is very much in my taste. That's great. But how long? How long if he's like, this is the story of Hellboy's hat, and it's like, okay, well, let's <laughs> get to it. fucking if Hellboy. If he gives bro. us an issue like this, I don't care. I'd be like, yeah, this. You is will a- care eventually. No. You're going to be like, I want the Hellboy. I don't know, man. I'm having a blast. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, Mike Mignola is so outside the comic system in terms of what he has to do and what he wants to do. It's ultimately up to, like, of course, as a fan, I want Hellboy Returns. I want to read that. I desperately need to read that. Does Mike Mignola feel like he needs to do that other than fan pressure? I don't know. And ultimately... I want him to follow his artistic muse and do the things that make yeah. him passionate and make him excited to do. It, if can it I isn't com- Hellboy Returns, that's okay. It'll be disappointing, but I'll survive. Go ahead. Can I, can I compare it to something like when Captain America died, like the Captain America comics got so interesting. There was this mm. really cool thing happening. It was a fresh take. I didn't miss Captain America for for a long time because of how great the storytelling was and all these other things. And I feel like this Hellboy thing is kind of like that a little bit, where it's like, man, I'd love if Hellboy came back, but I'm having a great time dealing with all of this kind of craziness and all this other stuff that I'm not missing it yet. And I'm, I, I think it would be amazing if he came back and part of me is really wishing it's going to happen. But I'm also just being like, you know, this is fun too. Yeah. Like what if the hat Hellboy's hat's cursed or something? Oh, yeah. 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 So cool. What is a, going on with Hellboy's hat? Bloodstained blood teeth. Number nine from image comics written by Christian Ward art by Patrick Reynolds. This is almost done. The next issue, I believe is the last issue of this title has been following a yeah. vampire who has been tasked with killing off all of the sips, the, Sips. Sort of almost vampires that he has made throughout history. He just had a sip. He just had a little yeah, sip. Just a little sip. Here, very fun reveal of a vampire that he is uh, not a vampire, but a sip that he has created who is essentially Batman, but the stupidest person of Batman possible. But there's some huge action stuff that goes on here that leads up yeah. to the finale. This is one of my favorite issues of the run so far, and I've really been loving this book. Agreed, um, and I'm I'm surprised it's ending with the next issue. Maybe there'll be more, but like this feels like a book. And when we had um when we had Christian on the show, it was like this could go forever. Like uh, it, it's got the procedural element where it's like he's got to keep like story of the week. He's got to get tracked down a sip, and it's like a fun, interesting. Like I've been watching Poker Face. It has that sort of energy. Oh, of, like, dude, I can't wait to talk to you about Poker Face. Got got to go do this stuff. And so to have it end next issue, I'm just sort of surprised it's coming to a close so quickly because I really enjoy it. Well, that's the thing. They, you know, they, they you, wanting more. That's a great way to end. But uh, I've I've been really impressed with the narrative of this, this great cast of characters, the action, the, the adventure, the pace of the story, all these like close calls, um, but really fun last panels. This continues to be a blast. I love the tone of this, the coloring of this comic. It drips charisma with style. Ooh. It's very cool and unique. Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, number one for Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Paco Mendina. This is an issue spinning off of Sins of Sinister that 
spoiler warning, because this isn't really revealed until the end, though you can kind of see it coming. This reveals why Sinister, when he shows up at his globe that has a bunch of clones of Moira that lets him send back to a save point and reset the universe, why they're missing. It's all because of Storm and this Brotherhood of Mutants. We get a bit more illumination about the world that we're in. Uh, Talk about this one, guys. I think this crossover is excellent. This is one of my favorite crossovers that we've seen in the Marvel side of things in a while. It's very much like Age of Apocalypse if it was Sinister, which we've mentioned. But it, I saw the um, at the end of the issue, there's the checklist that they do in a lot of the X-Men sure, books. Sure, yeah, yeah. And it's really broken up where it's just three issues in each era, and we're jumping from year 10 to year 100, then year 1000. Uh, it's fun. It's doing a lot. I like the different interpretations of our mutants here very much into this. Oh, well, that's, you know, I was having a blast with this until the very end of the comic and I was uh, pretty upset by it. Um, Why? uh, Well, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but it seems like Storm is murdered by Mystique at the end of the comic. So, oh, that part. Not cool, brah. Not cool thing to do. Um, so yeah, I was having a blast up until this point. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a very interesting thing. Um, uh, Storm kind of being the good person, the kind of voice of reason in, in this madness. I was like, yes, finally someone was like, yo, let's fucking get things going. Let's get things on track. Fuck this fuck Island and all this crazy bullshit. Fuck, uh, sinister. And let's, let's just start doing good and then of course uh you know storm is murdered by mystique at the end so that's well, a uh, pretty strong have, you can't have anything you can't have anything nice in this x-men world this new x-men world is not gonna let you have anything nice so she's like the bishop to- book i just want to point out you had nothing negative to say about bishop war college because it's a war college and some people need to get off of uh, Fuck Island and start getting into war college and getting ready for life. They're on yeah. Fuck Island. Um, yeah. Storm just gets stabbed maybe in the intestine. She might end up with just like uh, okay. not being I, able to eat as much rich food. She won't be able to have a buttercup because she uh, has an intestine. I mean, is that living? Uh, you know what I mean? Great point. This is garbage plate. <laughs> <laughs> Poison Ivy number nine from DC Comics written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Marcio Takara. This is the issue you've been waiting for. If you've been waiting for Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy to bone all over the house, that's what happens in this issue. As boning Har- round the house, boning round the house, as Harley returns to bond with Poison Ivy and send her on her path in a positive way. What do you guys think about this one? I'll just say I thought this issue was great, particularly for Harl Ivy shippers. Yes, I agree. I mean, great covers. Love the Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn uh, love story that's going on. It's really fantastic. And G.W. Wilson is just killing the game, having a great time. So it's fun to see. Great art. It has this sort of like romance novel vibe to the art. Yeah, like the cover of a romance Mm -hmm. novel a little bit. Yeah. And I thought that really works here. And this was a great standalone issue, but I think it also puts Poison Ivy, pivots her into a really interesting place going forward into what happens next in this comic that I think we've been surprised by from the jump and really enjoying. It has been. There's a lot of great twists and turns that's been happening in this. And I love the idea that Harley brings positivity in here. It's just really yeah. shown a lot of growth in terms of how her character is treated in the DC universe. Hell yeah. 
It's only Teenage Wasteland number three from Derek Course Comics, written by Kurt Pyers, art by Jacobi Salcedo. Here we are finding out more about how our, not how our teens, but what has happened with our teens who have been thrust into the future or an alternate world or something like that and what's been going on in the background. I'll just throw out up front, I felt very called out by the scene here where they describe everything that's been happening and they explain how the time distortion is happening. And one character says, yo, this is a bunch of lost bullshit. And another character says, first of all, I'm not going to take any David Lindelof slander. Second of all, yes, this is some lost bullshit. I want to say you've said those words verbatim (laughs) to me. Like, I feel like when I read that, I was like, Jesus, I feel. I saw this and I was like, these three paddles are going to become my new Twitter header on Wednesday. Uh, Nice. I also feel like, Alex, because it was teens here, did you want to kill them? Immediately. Uh, I I definitely, my bloodlust was up. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, this was another banger-ish. I I love the action, the creepy weirdness, crazy last page reveal. Uh, I, I'm having such a great time with this. I can't believe there's only one more issue, but so much fun. Uh, so great. Yeah, Dark Horse. This is a great, cool idea. If you like uh, What's the Furthest Place from Here, um, that book, and want more, this is a great book in the same sort of tonal and uh hell yeah um it's worth checking out uh so definitely if you're a fan of that this is uh, worth a read let's move from teens to even younger kids in a post-apocalyptic wasteland with little monsters number 10 from image comics written by jeff lemire art by dustin win another issue that really reveals a ton of backstory about what's been going on here with our vampires we find out how they became trapped in this city why they are trapped in the city what happened to the elder vampires why they are still little kid vampires and a big twist here um Great issue. I know we've been talking about how this has been moving slowly and as Jeff Lemire, as usual, even though he's a very good writer and I I love reading his stuff, ekes out information in these tiny little crumbs and morsels every issue. But this is an info dump issue. This is what you've been waiting for if you've been reading the series. And it paid it off in a very nice way. This is one of the most. How great it is by just saying it's an info dump issue. This is still a really. I love dumps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this comic is one of the most reliable on the stands right now. I feel like it it gives Justin's you the art always spin coming to- over to my place and saying nice dump. Yep, and that's what I do. I TP his house and then I shit. I shit in his downstairs bathroom. Nice dump. Uh, nice yeah. uh, you call the, it a lower decker, right? Let's just move on. Better than Let's an upper decker, on. right? Yeah, I'm doing you a favor. Yo, doing I shit favor. in your toilet and then flushed it. It's a yeah. lower decker. What? <laughs> what? That's what Star Trek Lower Decks is all about. The, the I was saying this is the most real, one of the most reliable comic on, comics in the stands. Fantastic art. The the story is paced so well. You're getting little pieces. Uh, by, you said morsels, Alex. You're getting morsels, uh, e- morsels each issue that are reliably move forward, moving the story forward, and I'm caught up in it. Very good. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a killer duo on this book. I mean, you should pick up a comic when you see these two names together, no matter what's going on. It's uh, The art is just super tight bananas ridiculous. It's unbelievable. They do like a little black and white with some like splashes of color to highlight different uh, emotions and feelings. It's really impressive. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a, a tough issue because the, you know, we, the kids kind of learn a little bit about their kind of, uh, where they are in the world and life is hard, but, uh, I, yeah, I'm really impressed by this book. It continues to be one of the, uh, uh pull list books that you've got to pick up and check out every issue. Secret Invasion number four from Marvel, written by Ryan North, art by Francesco Mobili. In this issue, Maria Pill, after killing a bunch of scrolls, is attacked by Tony Stark, and it is a wall-to-wall fight between the two of them. Yeah. Got a little bone to pick with this issue. Whoa! Uh-oh. This is the second-to-last issue. What's going on here? There's so much more story to tell. That's what I'm upset about. Okay, well, really, because I, I like. I think this this issue goes hard. This kind. Oh this my god! Title. No, no, no! I'm saying this goes hard. I want more of it. I want it to go on forever. Well, I would think, well, I given that, that we I mean, don't even know when the television program called Secret Invasion is coming out, that you might might maybe want to do another miniseries of the same name. So maybe we will get just that that follows up on maybe the end that we're going to get next issue. Justin, give think. us a little hope. I love it. Because this issue goes so hard. Maria Hill is both a badass, but also like a bad person in this Mm, issue. Possibly. Rex Iron Man in a great way. The art is fantastic. Super moody. This is great. Yeah, I was really impressed with the fighting and the action in this issue. Uh, This continues to be really impressive. What's crazy is it was like secret innovation, but they kind of really just made it about like a really small incident uh, for these four issues. And it's been Mm. pretty impressive the way it's just kind of being Maria and Iron Man kind of going back and forth. But man, uh, the action of when she jumps from the carrier, I was like, holy shit, uh, just really impressive. Uh, such a fun time and uh, sad to see it go or wrap up, man. I, I feel like it could go on for a lot longer. We haven't really gotten anything yet, you know? Batman and the Joker, the deadly duo number four from DC Comics by Mark Silvestri. In this issue, finally, Batman and the Joker are teaming up for a good old train robbery. Not exactly, but they are going on a train and they're dealing with the situation in very different ways as only Batman and the Joker can. What's up, Justin? Well, we Justin, this, what's up, Justin? What's up? The front no, bit up? of this. What's, what's up? up? What's up? The front part of this issue is just a Joker really fucks up a wedding. He had a tough, <laughs> not a good wedding. Uh, but the biggest thing I'll say about nice art, Mark Silvestri. Uh, I mean, doing whoa, it, whoa, doing whoa. It up. Don't. It's amazing. You can have, your, it's you can have your time. Don't say it's nice art. Don't take it down a notch. This is amazing art. I'm sorry. I don't know any other adjectives to describe art. Pete, do you have a bucket full you want to pour <laughs> on this description? <laughs> but I, I was going to say, if you're a fan of the um, the Batman movies, uh, with, which were like five acts long, where one of them is like, we got to get these fairies. There's a problem on the fairies we have to solve. This issue <laughs> is that. It's the Nolan yeah. Batman movies. You get like two of them in here. It's like the some dude the, drank too many tall boys and he threw up all over the fairies. We got a problem, Batman. What are we going to do? That's the yeah, main that's problem a, I know on fairies. That's what you're talking about, right? Tall boys. Exactly. That's the mystery that Batman can't solve. He, he's not the good of enough detective to solve. <laughs> what did he throw up? Uh, well, you can't finish a tall boy without, without puking. 
<laughs> Come on, man. Is it the sea? Better be a tall boy of steel reserve. All right. I think uh, it's this is worth it for a Catwoman calling uh, Nightwing Buttwing alone. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, just a solid You just gave it solid away. Joke. Solid that, joke. That, that was my least favorite. That was the weakest thing of the entire issue. Oh, uh, come on. That was fun. Well, she How also called it Night Cheeks. Can, what about how, Night Cheeks? Yeah, yeah, Night Cheeks works better. Buttwing, like, butts on wings? I don't know. That seems it just seems weedy. like something you would it say to your weedy. friend. Be like, whatever, but can't fly like that. Your concern is that flying? Yeah. My concern is, as usual, is the dump. <laughs> oh, my God. The dumping. <laughs> Spy Superb, number two from Dark Horse Comics by Matt Kent. In this issue, we are following the least qualified secret agent as he goes on the run after not actually accidentally killing a bunch of actual secret agents in the last issue. He gets further embroiled in this mystery in this issue and goes on some Goofamatron trips. Uh, I love this. We talked about this with Matt Kitt when he was on the live show a couple of weeks back. And did, but we talked to him enough about it, though. You know what I mean? Okay. We now did. You're, now you're pushing it, Pete. Now you're pushing it. <laughs> the, he, he talked about how he wasn't trying to make it funny so much as true to the character, but it's funny. It is funny. funny. Well, I mean, the come car- on. The funny. I mean, come on. I mean, that's hysterical. The old it's rock, paper, funny. scissors. I mean, that's hilarious. So just it is. to say, there's a there's an assassin named. Yeah. Um, wait, what? Is, what is it? What's the first Rochambeau. name? Rochambeau. Yeah, it's oh, Rochambeau, it's, but it's not. It's that. like Marcel Rochambeau. Yeah, whatever it is, it's Rogue Shambo or something like that. And they use rock, paper, and scissors to kill people. Yeah. It's jokey. Whatever Matt was saying, there's some jokey stuff going on here. But that is a good joke. It's a fun joke. Especially because how serious reading this. It's uh, how serious it's taken. Like he pulls out serious scissors, and it's like, oh shit, he's going to murder somebody with those. But then you kind of get this. There's this all this extra stuff where you get kind of like the character breakdown. It shows like where he puts like gives him origin. Yeah, yeah. It it shows where he hides the scissors and where uh, he hides the uh, paper ninja stars that he fucks people up with. So very fun, very cool. Also shows you how to make them, which is very impressive. Yeah, I was worried. Tight package. This is a great... Yeah, I bought a a copy of Spy Superb and folded the pages just like that to make the ninja stars. Did you like that, Pete? That's awful. Respect the art, you fucking asshole. He bagged and boarded the ninja star. Um, The name (laughs) of the killer is Roche Shambo in a fun way. Uh, But yeah, I agree with all that. Very fun. Um, The art is very cool, very kint. So we're we're on board. Glorious. Very cool, very kid. Last but not least, Namor the Submariner Conquered Shores, number five, from Marvel Art by Christopher Cantwell, uh, excuse me, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Pasquale Ferry. This is taking wow. place in a post-apocalyptic world where the seas have covered most of the Earth. What's going on with Namor and uh, other former members of the Invaders? I'll tell you what, and this is a bit of a spoiler for this issue, I was surprised how sweetly this wrapped up. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it was but- like... Luke Cage with sideburns that Alex used to have, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is a nice look. Um, robot Human Torch, uh, Namor hanging out, Frankenstein for some reason. I was like, well, this is a little no family. Yeah, out. but the art here is just glorious. That's I mean, well, it is fantastic. Great Adam Strange series like 15, 10 years ago. 
Okay, but let's focus on this here. This is just uh, really impressive art. It's just so clean, so interesting looking, so unique. I was just so blown away by this. And then also you get like a kind of a nice name over here. I, I loved it. I, I thought this was a very cool twist. Look yeah. Name Arita is not nice. Yeah. Yeah. The... This is not a criticism of the book. It's just uh, maybe it's a criticism of the tropes of post-apocalyptic fiction where I'm just used to the idea of, wow, this is a terrible post-apocalypse and we trekked our way through it. And by the end, uh, well, we survived, but things are still really terrible. And here it's like, well, we solved our problem and we're feeling good. And now we're a family. Yeah. In your face. Well, how's your so, life is what they're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Get there your you go. shit together just like we did. And if you would like to get your shit together, you can sponsor us at <laughs> patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic book club live. <laughs> yeah, we would like yeah. to talk about it. About it. <laughs> or, or comics or anything nerdy. Yeah, whatever. We'll talk to if you whatever you want. Uh, at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and TikTok, ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Shop. Oidis Larson. Aaron C. Hollis. Clemens Luer. <laughs> or we could just talk to you about how Alex looks like he has a blue dildo behind him. You know, whatever what? you want to talk to him. It's a lightsaber. Yeah, it looks like a blue yeah, dildo. Yeah, of course. You can get him yeah. in the last lightsaber. Okay, shove it up your church, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,